Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Hello and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast. I'm Mike Gag. And I'm Mike Wu. And today we don't have cider, uh, so we're drinking whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. Which is going to make us, you know, angrier while doing <laughs> this particular episode. A lot more venom in our topics. <laughs> I think I'm going to be funnier sooner. <laughs> you're, you're already yeah, slurring yeah, my words. My words. <laughs> so how you doing, Mike? I'm pretty good. I'm already talking into the cup instead of the mic. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, that's all the echoes you're going to be hearing there. Um, how's the foot? Uh, for, for feeling very good. I uh, just had a follow-up appointment, and I'll be back in action in a few more weeks. Sweet. So ref- remind me and, and everyone listening, what day are you going to uh, realize you actually want to stay in Ohio? <laughs> you know, there are things I already miss about Ohio, like you... <laughs> You haven't even left yet. Yeah. Yep. This uh, this uh, cup of whiskey. There you got. go. It's not even it's not even a shot glass of whiskey. It's a full cup of that's whiskey. that's how we do it. This uh, green tablecloth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our D and D sessions. Um, yeah, those were good. Uh, Barberton chicken. Um, You'll never find another bit. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> we're getting uh, all, we're getting yeah. all mushy now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Any. Witty banter you have on mind before we hop right into this uh, one? I'm all out of wit right now. What are we on? Episode twelve. We're on episode twelve. Yeah. Yeah. There's more episodes of this than there are of what Star Wars and Rocky movies combined. That's true. How many episodes of Firefly are there? I have no idea. All right. Well, if there's twelve, then we're equal <laughs> to it. <laughs> Next time we'll be have more. Fair enough. I, I, no, I, I think I think there's twelve. Yeah, at any rate, kind of irrelevant. <laughs> um, cool. So, kind of some big stuff that uh, we wanted to talk about. There are a lot of you know articles and stuff out right now. But before we do that. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit. Global Game Jam was pretty mm-hmm. big, so I figured we'd talk about that one. Um, did you do anything for Global Game Jam? No, I ended up working on my own project. Well, so you worked on a game. Yeah, yeah. But just, how's it coming along, by the way? Um, so after I emailed you that flurry of like, hey, why is this all screwed up? Um, Which was really weird, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It. I have a feeling, so just to give people a little uh, background on this, I found this really cool tool that we discussed in an earlier podcast called Spider Pro. And some very kind soul uh, on the internet posted some scripts that he used to put his Spider Pro projects into Unity directly. So you didn't have to like, it wasn't just like spreadsheets. It It was actual Spider Pro data being translated into Unity. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. But he had a limited application. You know, it worked for him. And it doesn't work for my stuff at all. So Mm. uh, it's been apparently making some really weird bugs appear uh, in Unity. I'm kind of coming to peace with the fact that I may have to just rebuild these characters as three-dimensional objects. Yeah. Even if even if they're just textures applied to flat polygons, mm-hmm. that may give me um, more of the effect that I'm looking for in the long run. So maybe after the podcast, I'll talk to you about the pros and cons of using that approach uh, as far as performance and maybe the s- scope of my game, it's not a big deal, so go ahead and do it. Maybe it, there is an implication I have to think about. But anyways, worked around that. Now I'm really focusing on learning uh, Unity's lighting system, oh, okay. which is different from what I'm... I mean, I'm used to high definition, high dynamic range. I'm used to deferred um, rendering. I'm used to a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. But never in an engine where, hey, there are multiple ways that we could render this particular... Um, project or this particular scene. Right, because you were having an issue with the number of lights. Yeah, yeah. Because you had too and, many and there's pixel forward lights. rendering versus um, deferred. deferred rendering, mm-hmm. all being as part of one engine, like you can switch and change your project setting, your player yeah. settings. 
And it's like, oh yeah, I was experimenting with that and I forgot that I had left it at this other setting. The engines I had used in the past, you know, like it, whether it's a Dead Space game, to set Dead Space, it's deferred rendering. That's all it has. It doesn't, yeah, you can't, there are no options. You can't change your level. <laughs> uh, Halo games was all forward rendering. It's like, you couldn't change. So like all mm. just learning, like, why can't I see this bush's shadow on the ground? It's just a <laughs> shrub. Why can't I see this circle? Oh, now yeah. I find out why. Like, you know, yeah, all these things that uh, I'm just learning along the way. So I'm having a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but it's definitely looking like, you know, quote unquote, student work. So, well, yeah. you know, it's not ready for like, hey, everybody, look at my latest thing. And people are like, you used to work in the games industry. <laughs> you know, so um, a few people more... say that when I make games too, they look like garbage. Yours looks pretty good. <laughs> uh, thank you. But uh, yeah, so it's still got a little bit more work to go, and uh, then I'll show it to you, and then you can give me your feedback. That uh, reminds me, I actually met someone uh, from MobaCap. And we talked about motion capturing for 2D rigged characters. So maybe that's an option you can go, you know, motion capture for your 2D characters to uh, make that stuff work, um, works directly in Unity and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Cool. Um, I went to Atlanta Mm -hmm. uh, for Global Game Jam. I I supported uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta, SCAD Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. Um, And it was cool. It was a lot of students, which was very different for me. Mm. Um, I'm used to – because I've been doing Global Game Jam for for six years now. And I'm used to generally a lot of – you know, I don't want to say adults because uh, most college students are adults as well, but maybe working professionals and a few students here and there. So it was very interesting to be on a site that was mostly students um, because, you know, it was, it was you know, on one hand, it was kind of neat to see a lot of different ideas that, that students didn't have. They tend to dream bigger and have, you know, bigger imaginations. Um, but socially, they all tend to like cluster together and they uh-huh. refuse to like branch out. And, and a lot of them actually were there Friday and then they just went home and worked from home the rest of the weekend because, you know, college students don't always have transportation and everything. Right, so right. Uh, it was definitely a different challenge. It was okay. pretty neat. It was cool. But uh, there were a lot of really, really cool games that, that were made with it. I made not a cool game. <laughs> but uh, did you see the thing I posted? Uh, if you posted it on Facebook, I did not see it. Did okay. you post it to Twitter? Because I haven't checked Mine Twitter. wasn't even like, a game. It's okay. just kind of a project. I don't know. <laughs> I built it in like an hour on Saturday night. So I was very busy with a lot of other work right. stuff and then help supporting right. other places. Oh, like and that. I think we told people that you and I might go to Game Jam together. But that was when we were thinking of Cleveland. Yeah, but I ended up site. going to yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. 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 So that, that's why we did The didn't Dream Team didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Next year. Next year it's going to happen. I'll fly out to Seattle <laughs> yeah. specifically. Yeah. And um, we're going to make this Hey, happen. that would be cool actually if you would. Because there are a lot of, I mean, a lot of, uh, well, professional developers in Seattle that I know that participate in the game jam. Because, you know, when you work for a major studio, your ability to work on a fun little side project is kind of limited. So There you go, Dream Team. Yeah, Yeah. and a lot of people like, oh, my friends have all left and joined other studios, but now here's a chance for us to get back together again for like just a weekend. Let's build Portal, but our portals will be square instead of ovals. (laughs) It'll be totally different. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, so th- that was Game Jam. It was it was a cool experience. Game Jam is always kind of a whirlwind. Uh-huh. Um, I did miss the Cleveland folks because I've been jamming with them for a long time. But uh, um, definitely a, a neat, different experience, you know, in Atlanta. So it's cool. Who knows? And maybe I'll do one of the Ludum Dares somewhere else or something. Yeah. But it's I like the jams. Hopefully yeah. the people listening um, had an opportunity to participate because I think the jams are absolutely amazing. Great chance to experience the industry condensed into 48 <laughs> yeah. hours. So besides uh, Global Game Jam, we've had a – so there were a lot of articles being posted very recently, um, which it, it's, it's interesting because well, – so to kind of preface, you know, uh, let it, uh, articles about the state financially of the mm-hmm. industry, right? Um, 
and a lot of them are very negative. Uh, so one of them was that uh, what industry contracts were down eighty five percent this in two thousand fifteen. Was it uh, contracts? Uh, uh, invest well, investments, contracts, IPOs, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so we're down like eighty five percent. Nintendo's profits were down thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kind of gloom. Mm-hmm. And what's what's kind of interesting about that? Well, you know what? Actually, before I get into mm-hmm. what I think is interesting about that, what's your take on that? Because I, I know you were looking forward right. to, to right. talking, right. speaking about that. Um, so, from my perspective, uh, it's not. Ne- this isn't actually necessarily doom and gloom, but it is. Uh, it d- is very descriptive mm-hmm. of where we are in a particular business cycle. Mm-hmm. A business cycle is something that I've. I think I've mentioned before in earlier episodes. We'll mention it again. Um, it's something that is very interesting to me um, as a concept uh, for any industry, but particularly in the games industry because it's entertainment, mm-hmm. it's young, and the people who make these games never came at it initially from a, well, I shouldn't say the people or never, but a lot of us who worked in games or are currently working in games didn't think of it as a uh, as a corporation, sure, uh, but thought of it as a pursuit or as a passion. It wasn't the machine; it was the revolution. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but now that it's grown up, and um, we have mortgages, and um, and we manage teams, and people's livelihoods depend on us. You are then introduced by the suits to this concept of the, where are we in the business cycle? Um, what's your responsibility? Profit. Mm-hmm. Um, all these kinds of things. And so for me, the article that you had pointed me to, um, and I think we should mention gamesindustry.biz is one of the best, I think, uh, yeah. websites I'll have out to post there. the article because yeah. there's a few of them on there yeah. to that effect. Yeah, of all the gaming websites, that's the one that for me is rock solid. I still like Gama Sutra as well. well that's Just because true. there tends to yeah. be more technical yeah. stuff on mm-hmm. there, but, mm-hmm. but absolutely. Yeah. yeah, as far as like, hey, we're trying to pinpoint where the industry is going to go, gamesindustry.biz I think yeah. uh, has a lot of good content. What you were just saying though about the, the machine, the corporation, uh, all that just made me think um, that, you know, f- we all thought we were Apple commercials in the 1980s. And uh-huh. turns out we were all Apple commercials in the 2010s. <laughs> Do you remember the old yeah. Apple commercial yeah. where it was like break free of the mold yeah. and mm-hmm. they had the, the uh-huh. Olympic, what was it? Yeah, shot, 1984. Shot uh, was it, what was the, the lady running? Yeah, with? she had, she had a, a throwing hammer. Yes, a throwing hammer. Was, That's we, right. In 1984, Apple will tell you why. Macintosh will tell you, will show you why 1984 won't be like 1984. Yeah, we'll break free. That was a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Yes, that was huge. And then it turns out that we're actually like the, <laughs> yeah, the height of the Apple regime, 2010. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, keep going. So, for from my perspective, what that article was specifically about, um, the measurable um, funding for research and development of new ideas uh, that were signed as contracts, meaning a company said to another company, we're going to give you X dollars Mm -hmm. to try to do this new thing. Um, And then also mergers and acquisitions, which is the huge, which is the really big thing, which is, hey, um, you and I are competitors in the the same business, but there would be synergy if we merged, meaning we could like not have as many testers Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't have to have as much HR. And so let's just become Absolutely. one organization. A lot of people are reading the article and thinking that's revenue is down 85% yeah, of yeah, profit. Yeah, not. No. no. Huh. And then the other kind is like, hey, uh, we want to get into a new um, portion of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys do that really well. We want to acquire you. So that's an acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was down. Total like, investments. Yeah, is yeah. down significantly. Um, 
And so that may just tell us where we are in the business cycle, not mm-hmm. necessarily that the business is, is like we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, What's interesting is, so I'll say it mm-hmm. now, um, a lot of people are saying, hey, there was four articles back to back about the game industry and, and money. That must mean things are going really bad. Mm-hmm. And I saw this on Twitter. I saw this on Facebook. People are like, oh, no, why are these articles are all coming out? That must mean companies are tanking, mm-hmm. this is the end of the industry, crash, 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 whatever. Earning reports and, are coming out, that's why. Well, I was yeah. about to say, yeah. 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 So um, a lot, maybe maybe people know this, maybe they don't. Most companies, uh, they file their taxes and they finish their finances mm-hmm. beginning of March. Uh, and so every year in February, mm-hmm. there's all the articles about money. Yeah. And so all the people that see articles about money in February and lose their mind, well, nah, nah that's right. fine. Right. Uh, worry about all the articles in August about mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But no, in February, it's pretty normal to see things like this. Um, and honestly, I, you know, so money apparently isn't getting shifted around. But one of the more interesting things is there's a lot of fine print to those findings. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, there are a lot of deals that they're not counting. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, there was uh, that, I forget. Was one of the major acquisitions was like five point nine billion dollars. Yeah, King.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that Candy Crush was acquired. This that wasn't part of it because uh, it hasn't gone all the way through. Casino games are no longer counted mm-hmm. in the state of Nevada, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big state yeah. for casino right. games. Right. So there's a lot well, of and and here's the thing. Um, recently in Cleveland, uh, uh, there's a small gaming company that decided to focus on casino gaming mm-hmm. because I think if you look at casino gaming mm-hmm. versus uh, what we think of traditional video gaming, I mean, there's no comparison. We're talking about 480 million or billion mm-hmm. on the on the gambling side versus 50. Who in Cleveland? Um, Are you at liberty to say? I mean, I probably know that. No, no, I can't. I can't remember that. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed to say I can't. The name just uh, falls out of my head. Um, Not or even the just, company, but the person. No, I've only met the the person in charge a couple of times, but they had a their designer came and and, and spoke at the CIA uh, oh. not too long ago, and they, okay. and they have hired a couple of the students as interns. So that's a pretty cool opportunity. But they're making well, I'm um, gonna have to find yeah, out who that is. Yeah, um, but I think they identified like, hey, you know, there's something that's outside of traditional video gaming mm-hmm. that uses all the same technologies, all the same design principles, yeah. but is more than two orders of magnitudes, you know, in some cases, you know, if you think about it globally, sure. um, bigger than the video game market. Well, and there's a trade-off there. There are a lot of people that, I, that I'm that i aware of have branched into the, the gambling market. Uh-huh. What they don't quite realize when they first try to get into it is, A, how much of a stranglehold the current mm-hmm. uh, gambling companies hold. Yeah. Uh, and also how much government interference yeah. there is yeah like they need to go they they scrub your stuff right. yep. um and it's it's hard to get licensed and it's hard to get this and that and the next but you're right there's a lot of money to be had there um it's also interesting how much so i, I don't play gambling games yeah. um when i go to vegas or any other place i don't really gamble yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes i play back blackjack but that's like about it mm-hmm. um however it's always fun to me to watch the new electronic gambling games because mm-hmm. they really are video. I mean, they're impre- yeah. like the um, well, not new anymore, but there was an Avatar gambling game from the movie Avatar, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and it was like the most impressive slot machine you've ever seen. Yeah. Storyline, they had voices from the original act mm-hmm. voice actors and stuff like. I mean, it is impressive. That tech is mm-hmm. 
it's pretty pretty neat. Right. But I mean, uh, like Game Maker Studio got bought by a company that right. specializes in, in gambling. That's apps, right. Right. And for uh, a song. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, Double Down Interactive, I think. Uh, out in Seattle, I mean, they're growing like mm-hmm. crazy, and they're also gambling yeah. uh, focused. Well, there's a lot like, of money to be had. Yeah, there. all their executives, all their creative talent, they all come from traditional video games. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of laws when you can do it online. Mm-hmm. Different states have their rules, right? Like right. That. So that is a really big, yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, hey, in the past, when we looked at deals that went into the into the interactive entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. There were deals that included those companies that now are no longer counted. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So especially like specifically in the state of Nevada, gambling deals and stuff used to be games and now they're not. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's not as as grim as it sounds. Again, uh, one of the other articles, Nintendo profits down like 30 percent, mm-hmm. which is significant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Probably not, not surprising though, right? Not the first time this has happened yeah. to them. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of what happens when they have a year without the major breakthroughs. I mean – we even talked about this on this podcast, you know, where is the the Nintendo IP uh, mobile game, All right? Because mm-hmm. Nintendo was going to be branching yeah. out into the mobile market. Well, that got delayed, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, no no kidding, they didn't have a stellar year. Stellar year. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of sets them up to bounce back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the indication from a lot of people is, oh, no. And this is the time, too. If you go actually on Gama Sutra right now and a few other websites – this is right about the time of the year where all the articles come out that says, join the game industry not because of the money, because of the passion. Mm, mm, that article comes yeah, out every right. <laughs> year at the same time, every year, uh, because people freak out. And so someone's like, well, I'm going to write an article yeah. that's inspiring. And, yeah, right. you know, um, and it's, well, it's, it's certainly yeah. true, but it's funny that it's like clockwork. Yeah. Well, yeah. getting back to the business cycle, we, you know, we should define what the business is. Like maybe it's um, making action shooters for the console business is mm-hmm. my business or uh, maybe Making an MMO on the PC is my business, or sure. a free-to-play uh, MOBA game is my business, or it's um, um, uh, some business, a, a, yeah. a mobile time waster uh, style uh, game. Mm-hmm. Um, the companies that would seek to create a deal, mm-hmm. like a merger or an acquisition, um, would only do that if they believe, hey, we can acquire something that's growing mm-hmm. and save us money. Or, in the long or run. save us money, right? And those deals took place within the last five years, right? And those businesses are now mature. How much more efficiently can PopCap make a Plants vs Zombies game? They probably have perfected the art of making a Plants vs Zombie game by now. Right? How do you make it even cheaper? Well, they already got um, now the synergy of using EA Shanghai and other locations, mm-hmm. right, to make content even more cheaply than It's funny before. that you brought up PopCap in that. Let, we'll talk okay. after the podcast. Okay. This is something I can't talk about here. But, okay. Um, interesting anecdote about okay. that. <laughs> um, so that's one reason why, well, yeah, they're not, EA and Activision and the others aren't going to be doing a lot of acquisitions right now because they've already acquired the companies that they could do those kinds of synergies and with. And the new mom and pops have it. Mature to a point that they're right, worth merging right, or buying. Right. Or which of the new virtual reality studios out there has got a hit? Yeah, no, no one knows yet, and so we're going to wait and see yeah. which of those thousands of garage developers. And then you'll see brrr, millions, all these like, of hey, the new business is established, the new business cycle the, is the, proven. Yeah, the the new peripheral called uh, an Oculus Rift for PC, mm-hmm. or the new peripheral um, v, uh, PlayStation VR, they work. 
People are buying them. And the studio hits. Now I'll acquire. People still have this mindset that ideas are worth money. Right? Mm -hmm. I have this great idea, right? Ideas aren't worth anything. Mm -hmm. Everyone has ideas, Mm -hmm. right? Most of them are terrible, or at least not great. And some of them are good. Most of them aren't great, you know? Um, But what's really worth anything is building something from that. So you can have this great startup, this great idea. No one cares. But once you're successful for a year, two years, and you actually have proven that you can succeed at that idea, Mm -hmm. that's when the action, the the actual thing that you've built, that's what has the value. Um, And you're right. I mean, there's, you know, as, as you look at it, people spent on these acquisitions, everything, 85% less. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that money's not there. It's all mm-hmm. in a Scrooge McDuck vault right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just waiting for the right. next crop um, to grow up. So it's really not worth sort of freaking out about. It's, it's interesting that you brought up VR. That's another point, another point mm-hmm. I had written down here. Um, because as we know, VR is kind of exploding right now, mm-hmm. right? Against all odds. And yet, there hasn't been a single successful VR right. project yet. Right. And so the idea is why in a market, in an industry, in a world where, you know, people only really go after stuff that makes money, why are people shoveling yeah. so much money yeah. into this? And, and I think the idea really is is that it's kind of this, this technology sponge right now. You know, all this extra money, mm-hmm. stuff that would be spent yeah. in investments, stuff that mm-hmm. would be spent on acquisitions and like that, they're just kind of being fed a little mm-hmm. bit into VR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not proven yet, you know, but everyone's kind of throwing money in there. So, you know, kind of as a gamble to say, you know what, all right, I'm going to throw $6 million into this market and I might lose it, you know, uh, but if if this one mm-hmm. is successful, I'm going to make my money right, back right. so many fold. Yeah. And if enough companies do that, that's a lot of money mm-hmm. just being sunk right. into this right. unproven market. So there are investments going on, but they're just not like right. natural they're investment. They're not, not necessarily um, done in a deal manner where there's a contract that now is out in the public domain for people to say, hey, that deal is worth X yeah. millions of dollars. It's like, no, it's Microsoft internally decided to develop through their own research department mm-hmm. this they didn't sign a deal with anybody they just did it internally okay so you we don't count that money as a deal okay. sure exactly um and it also goes back to the business cycle idea if i am in a console business mm-hmm. and that's getting to the point where hey i can't even sell these consoles at a good profit i'm just i'm selling them like i sell the the handles to razor to sure, sure. razors thin it's, profit or right, maybe even a uh, my loss. profits in in the razor blade uh um uh, packs, mm-hmm. just like well, it's the business. The money isn't in the console. The money's in in the software licensing, uh, or the platform licensing. Um, same thing here with making software for traditional media like PCs and mm-hmm. um, uh, consoles. You know, and PCs you still have the problem with uh, piracy because you have a, a billion PCs, but nobody wanting to pay for a premium experience. I feel like you're transitioning. We may be because you know what that's about. Right. And that's that's exactly what a business cycle is. It's a transition. Absolutely. Like we are at a point where video games that we like to play are, are becoming commodities. We have the genres so well-defined that we know exactly when well, we I think say, that probably happened maybe 10 years ago. Even. Right. Yeah. And we're getting to a point where you we need new genres. We have invented new genres. These horses so much that it's like, Oh my God! We cannot create more profit 
with less money like we used to. Mm-hmm. It used to be, hey, we have these 20 people in a room, they produce a product, and they make us $100 million. Now it takes 500 people to make us negative $10 million, and we have to figure out, is this worth still pummeling, right. or should we be leveraging their talent and what money we have in the bank to developing a new line of business. Pioneer something new. And that for right now, mm-hmm. if you want to leverage your video, your 3D engine and your knowledge in 3D and graphics and your art and programming talent, maybe virtual reality is one of those things. Well, you really have to strike into a genre or a style or, or I guess maybe not an industry, but that, that people don't know better. Because mm-hmm. if you think about this, like go back and play any game that you loved 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And... It's terrible from a technology standpoint as a natural progression of things. The graphics are going to be bad, whatever. But the controls will be bad. The storyline will be bad. Like everything Mm -hmm. about it will be bad. And you think, well, how did I ever like this game? Well, 10 years ago, you didn't know better. Right. Right? So at the time, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. We A lot of these markets, a lot of these genres have been perfected. You couldn't get away with a suboptimal project anymore. And optimal projects are very, very expensive. And now everyone's making an optimal project, mm-hmm. right? It's not just like you have the one and then everyone else is like, man, those people did it really great. Wish we could do that. Right. Not everyone's got the sauce figured right. out. So you sort of have to go and build something where the players are just like, what is this? I don't even know if this is as good as it could be because I don't really have a, a means of describing it or comparing it, mm-hmm. you know? And VR may be that, may not be, I don't know. But but I do think that's where a lot of the money is going right, right now. Right. And uh, when you establish a new business cycle, you don't care, well, I say this loosely just to kind of for sure. emphasis, you don't care how much money you burn building the new line of business because there is going to be a- yours. Yeah, it's yeah. a learning curve. Mm-hmm. You know that, you, so you don't sweat it. We're putting in this money, but we have no idea if this is gonna pay out. Mm-hmm. You care about putting in money and not getting in the profit when you're at the end of the business cycle. Yeah. When you are on your, say, your Halo 5 or your Halo 6 or your Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 5, you know, like there you're like, hey, if I put in a dollar, I better get $2 out. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not, this is the wrong bit. You know, you if it's... Squeeze the value out of yeah, every single Yeah, if it's player. your uh, new game 1.0, hey, this cost a lot of money and it didn't necessarily go huge Mm -hmm. but hey that was okay we invented new technology we created a new business for ourselves and now that we have our foot underneath us we can kind of build off of that we can get onto that accelerating um line of the business cycle until we peak and then we start to level off then we worry and then we leverage what we learned and create the new line of business so that's where we're at so i'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about uh glue all right, mm-hmm. uh, made the Kim Kardashian game, uh, the <laughs> uh-huh. famous slash infamous game. I'm gonna move my mic forward. Okay. That happened at 2631. So yeah, so they made this this Kim Kardashian game, ridiculous hit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was people that liked Kim Kardashian, so the celebrity sort of endorsement and appearance mm-hmm. made them tried out. Um, but besides that, what was kind of interesting is that I've had a lot of people tell me that they do not like Kim Kardashian at all, but it's actually a really fun game. <laughs> and so cool. So yeah. they, they kind of won mm-hmm. as, as best as you can win. They hit, they got everybody, right? Because, right? right. you know, they got people invested uh, because of the celebrity or people that didn't like the celebrity played it out ironically or whatever uh-huh. and found out it was a good game. Um, and so everyone was super happy, super yeah. profits, whatever. So they just post, they just laid off uh, 50 people. Uh, they followed up their um, 
computer locked me out. That happened at 27.30, so exactly one minute away. We're still recording? We are. Okay. My computer's locked me out there, froze up for a second. Um, so they built this this new version, not, I don't want to say a version, but a new game, complete mm-hmm. new game, uh, this time Katy Perry. Okay. All right? Didn't take off. Um, they actually, uh, I'm trying to recall now, but I, I believe they they missed, one of their studios missed their revenue mark by $50 million, mm. which is a significant amount to miss yeah. a revenue mark. They also had a new James Bond game, uh-huh. but due to agreements with partners, there'd be no shooting, no weapons in mm-hmm. it, which, granted, that's cool, but at the same time, we all know James Bond right, carries the gun yeah. and you know yeah. gets the girl and shoots the bad guy, so... Kind of makes it a little bit more difficult. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they had a lot of difficulty because they went after this. They they had one proven thing. They thought, okay, we can do this again. Um, and you know, I don't think. And uh, this isn't really speculation. Again, this is kind of based off the article. I need to post all these yeah. articles. Um, they said, you know, we had a we had new team leads. Mm-hmm. We had new teams, new technology. You know, we were basically relying on the celebrity to carry the title. Uh, it wasn't a good game uh-huh. like the Kim Kardashian ended up being, then also having the celebrity endorsement. Yeah. This just had the celebrity endorsement, uh-huh. and the game may have been not so great. Uh-huh. And as a result, it fell flat. You know, So uh, there's you know, kind of, to what you were saying, a point of where they, you know, they think they got this, they got this cycle, we had this hit, we're going to mm-hmm. do it again, and they're going to invest, and this time didn't pay out. Right. And in fact, you said some key words, new team mm-hmm. and some other new, like, so, hey, the whole point is that you establish this new line of business and then you leverage what experience. you got. Yeah, the experience of the team that you built mm-hmm. um, and the technology base that they built. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to reinvent the wheel, and engineers do like to do that, and so do artists. I mean, frankly, Everybody they likes like to do that. Distra- it just go, feels so good. Like, you know what? <laughs> That's, now you're, but then you are, Making it harder to be efficient Absolutely. and climb up the the uh, the good part of the business cycle. But you, you know, everyone to. thinks they look at something they're inheriting and think, "I could build this better; mm-hmm. and it would be more efficient." But it never is. It very oh, well, that's not true. It very rarely is. Uh, but yeah, so it was interesting. And again, it's amidst all of the oh no, the world's ending, everyone's losing money stuff. But then Microsoft posted a five percent profit gain on mm-hmm. their games market. Mm-hmm. Probably, again, this is part of speculation, probably due to they're pushing the universal Windows apps with the adoption of Windows 10. Uh, so game apps are now available on all their different mm-hmm. platforms and stuff like that. That's got to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. that's got to help game sales with when your sales count across all of your right. platforms. People are more likely to invest thinking, I get this game across how right. many different right. versions. Um, so so interesting, you know, some, some are down, some are up. It's kind of a standard year. But uh, what that basically, what I see that is, is a bottleneck of money still out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So who knows? Maybe someone in 2016 is going to get that Powerball jackpot, you know, deal. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, or it'll be VR or something else. But, uh, but, but very interesting. It's always interesting to see the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Posted. Something, another, you were just saying about like uh, – something about what you just said reminded me of a really important point about this whole contraction Mm -hmm. that we see in the amount of deals going on uh because it made me think about the stock market and like yes to do like if if you own a portfolio you know that 2016 has been awful Mm -hmm. so far i mean absolutely i do not own a portfolio it's absolutely abysmal Mm -hmm. we haven't seen this since bush was president like this is this is a trashing of the market right now okay um and a lot of it has to do with 
what's happening in Asia. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. In Asia, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Obama. You brought us right back to Bush. No. Um, uh, Cycles, man. Yeah. Uh, so in Asia right now, mm -hmm. Asia happens to be the world's largest video game market. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... And um, if any, you know, again, not to be racist, but anyone with Chinese ancestry and with family back in the motherland knows mm -hmm. this, that all of my cousins who my father helped support mm -hmm. when he was working here hard as an engineer in America, you know, making sure that the family was housed and people mm -hmm. get educated, people get glasses when they needed them and healthcare and all that stuff. They all went to college and they got degrees in, I don't know, like political science or something like that. Sure. It doesn't matter in China. Art it's, theory. The economy was going so hard and so fast. Do you, are you, like, you know, you worked for this factory during the summers when you were uh, not in uh, school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were really reliable. And you have a college degree? Great. Come, manage the factory. So, like, people had money, mm -hmm. like, for Chinese standards, lots of money. Sure. Um and now for the, the listeners, it's called yen. <laughs> no, no, yuan. The, yuan. Yen yeah, is ja yeah, Japan. RMB uh, is it's an oh, acronym. RMB. Well, yeah. for the people listening, ignore my complete <laughs> yeah. lack of geopolitical yeah. economy. <laughs> well, both the RMB and the yen are not doing really well right now at all. Yeah, really contracting. Asian money is not to the point yeah. where like Nintendo's like, hey. Um, all of our profits appear smaller because the yen has contracted relative mm -hmm. to the dollar. Uh, so much so that Sony is saying like, hey, <laughs> all of our profits look smaller because we do, you know, our headquarters is here in Japan. Maybe we should relocate to the U.S., which they just did. They just did. You know, so. What is Japanese money? Yen. Okay. Didn't, didn't I just say that? Yeah, but um, we're talking about China. Yuan okay. is Chinese. <laughs> uh, um, anyone want some more whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, for the past, oh, at least the past year, mm -hmm. the financial markets have been saying nothing but, holy cow, holy cow, China is contracting. China's central government has got to prop up the economy. They, they, they're trying to transition to the consumer economy. Is mm -hmm. it working? There used to be this manufacturing powerhouse. But now oil, why is oil prices going down, down, down? One, America's overproducing. But two, China isn't buying oil. Mm -hmm. Why isn't China buying so much oil? Because they're not manufacturing and they're not transporting as much mm. because we're not buying as much stuff from Walmart anymore. The whole global economy is slowing down. China is no longer the big engine, the big furnace burning. China is the biggest holder of extra dollars mm -hmm. to invest. China's the biggest gaming market and they're contracting economically. If they contract, well, this of past course, year, they all these finally allowed consoles in China, right? Right. I mean, that just kind of goes to mm -hmm. show the transition that's mm -hmm. happening, right? Into buy, buy, buy. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of the reason why we see deals going down is like, well, yeah, right now, globally, the economy is contracting. Mm -hmm. So it's not the games industry necessarily is just crashing. It's the whole economy is getting smaller yeah. right now, especially in the part of the world where a lot of business deals in the gaming market might take place. This is why I convert all my money into doubloons and I bury it in my yard. <laughs> the entire idea of money scares me. I don't like it at all. That's why I got married. My wife handles money okay. so that I can just pretend. You're all 100% in Bitcoin right now. I'm just pretending. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm just pretending everything I do is on the barter mm -hmm. system. Uh, and I just forget that money exists because the whole thing frightens me. My favorite number is free. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I know. Um, but, yeah, 
I don't know. When you said if you, anyone who has a portfolio, I thought, oh, okay, I have nothing to add to this conversation <laughs> at this point. <laughs> hey, if you're going to put your boys through college, you better have a portfolio. I don't need a portfolio. I have doubloons buried in my backyard. <laughs> the cost of doubloons just go Is up. Is that as why they you got this huge backyard with this nice big old? That's right. Like, these little markers, like, and that's why you're so like you have to get rid of the gophers and all the other. Well, you think they're like, gopher holes? They're not. That's <laughs> they're, why I bury my doubloons right, and I just right. pretend I have. You gophers. can have these rodents squirreling away your doubloons. No, there are no real. The rodents are alive to hide <laughs> the fact that I'm digging up. My right. yard and hiding you coins. Were, you weren't actually salting the earth. You're actually uh, planting mines. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Walk out with just a magnet and pull all my money out of the ground. Wait, but, gold's not magnetic. Well, it's, they're doubloons. What's a doubloon? I have no idea. A doubloon See, is this gold. Is, this is how little I know about money. All I know is pirates had doubloons. Yeah, they didn't. There wasn't iron, dude. Why would pirates care about iron? Well, they the could, only the cannon shot. Was are you iron. suggesting that the coins were entirely gold? There could not have been any other metal mixed in. Well, you wouldn't have put iron in it for sure. Well, maybe you would have. You're not no. a pirate. You no, don't know. You would probably. It would probably would have been pure gold coming out of the Americas. Maybe. And then once it got to Europe, then they would they would adulterate it with another metal. What I meant to say is the, the boxes that I put the doubloons in were made of rare earth magnets. Yeah, okay. So there. Okay. I'm sick of you questioning me. <laughs> let me have let me have this. Um, all right. So ugh, money. <laughs> what a foul concept. Um, so okay. Uh, kind of to harken back one of the other topics we had talked about um, and actually kind of started to have a really interesting conversation about before we started recording. And I uh-huh. was like, okay, we got to stop talking yeah. about this. Um, and you had talked earlier about piracy uh-huh. um, is so uh, The Witness, right? Oh, Jonathan mm-hmm. Blow's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Blow made Braid, for mm-hmm. those that don't know. Um, the Witness uh, apparently has been massively pirated, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which, you know, is – Standard, mm-hmm. I guess. And this um, is Jonathan Blow saying it's been massively pirated, right? Do we sure. know that it's been pirated more than, say, your average PC game? I don't know, but but basically what was stated and shown was that it was like the number one downloaded on a bunch of different torrent sites. Okay. So okay, it's definitely popular significantly, with yeah, Significantly right, pirated. Right. Um, and one of the things they were kind of talking about was in the past, games like Braid and other games would actually intentionally – release a fake version of the game to torrent sites and stuff to sort of thwart piracy. And that sort of got us talking about, uh, you know, the different anti-piracy mm-hmm. things of the past. And, you know, you had brought up that, that you know, sales numbers had been released. And so even though it's a very pirated game, it's still not that bad because mm-hmm. the sales numbers were really high. Um, but I figured that's something that would be pretty interesting to talk about. Like the entire concept of of releasing a fake version of your game is pretty cool in my <laughs> opinion right like you realize you know you've been it's playing it's become a war right it's yeah, disinformation yeah it's a honeypot almost yeah. so you get it yeah. and you're playing it well maybe not a honeypot because the FBI is not there waiting for you but <laughs> uh, you get it and you're playing it and then all of a sudden it's like surprise sucker this yeah. isn't real uh-huh. you know and just like oh well now what yeah uh, and that that is pretty neat. That's a pretty cool concept. And you then were talking about the cartridges, right? Yeah. I, I remember there were stories back when I was coming up, and I believe you can still find out how they did this. You know, you could, back in the olden days, in the old days of piracy, you would get on a plane, go to Asia, and go to Hong Kong, and you could see Nintendo and Sega cartridges for sale at a fraction of the price with these weird, weird lousy printed labels. Mm-hmm. It was because they were pirated cartridges. And some of these games had a DRM on them that said, hey, I can detect I'm not actually a licensed cartridge. 
but I'll let this guy play. Mm-hmm. And you would play and play and play until you got to the final boss, and then the game would appear to freeze. Oh, it's got that typical, the console is overheated kind of glitchy screen. Sure. I'll just restart, hit restart, and load up my last save game, which was just before, you know, the last checkpoint was just before the final mm-hmm. boss. And you'd find out the entire cartridge was back to the initial state. It was wiped, all your saves wiped, wiped. And you're like, crap. That's brutal. Yeah, that's brutal. So you'd be like back, this is back in the day when there were, you could find a guide online to tell you how to play the game. You actually invested 40 hours <laughs> to get your game up to that point, And then yeah. you'd realize, oh, sh-, and you didn't know until someone said, because you have a pirated game, you idiot. Go buy the real game. And then you could actually finish it. So that, that's awesome. I don't know. I don't know how many people would have actually then at that point converted and say, yes, I want to go through the entire experience again to beat the game. Doesn't matter. It's a war of attrition at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 not to win. It's not to win their money so much. It is just to <laughs> defeat them for being jerks. Um, it could have been worse. I remember this isn't an anti-piracy thing. I remember Beautiful Joe on the PlayStation Two mm-hmm. came out and there was a bug. And that that was back when the PlayStation used memory cards. Uh-huh. Uh, you remember well, that? I remember Beautiful Joe as a uh, GameCube game. It was. But you're saying it was released for PS. Uh, it was either a PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2. There was a Beautiful okay. Joe game okay. and Beautiful Joe 2. And what it did is there was an error with the game that when you saved to one of their memory cards, uh-huh. it wiped the memory card. Ow. All your other stuff that was All on the memory card is yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, made me think of that. When you talk about the cartridge wiping <laughs> yeah. it. Cause you, could you, uh, that was the point where I had like 200 hours into a Final Fantasy X save and uh-huh. I thought – Holy crap, if this yeah. had wiped out my Final yeah. Fantasy uh, X game, yeah. I would lose my mind. <laughs> and what are you going to do? There's no right. getting it back and stuff like that. So um, made me think of that when you were talking about the <laughs> cartridge. But then I was thinking uh, back to – I used to play Prince of Persia, old Prince of Persia, yeah. like original Prince of Persia. When it was um, a 2D um, – that's not right. even a side-scroller. It was a screen-by-screen. Screen. Yeah, I played it on I believe my 486. Uh-huh. And uh, it was pirated, but I didn't – know that mm-hmm. and actually i don't think it was pirated i got the computer secondhand and it was on it okay right but it was one of those things is at the po- at that time i didn't really know what pirated software uh-huh. was right. i deleted exe files because i thought executable meant you could execute them as in delete them i thought they were garbage files um so that was i mean that was a long time ago um and so i remember playing that and you get past the first level, mm-hmm. right, which was really hard to do because, again, I wasn't very good at video games yeah. back then. Um, and then it would be like, on uh, what, what's the first letter of the fourth word on page seven of the uh-huh. manual? And you're like, what? Yeah. I don't I don't have a manual. I have no idea. And then, you know, there would be like four doors and you go through the wrong one, you fall into a pit and uh-huh. die. And that was as far as I ever got in that game because I only guessed correct once and I loaded into the next level and it was really hard and I died. <laughs> and that was that. Yeah. Um, so like the old school DRM where like the manual had yeah. the, the, the stuff um, and some of these other techniques that were pretty neat. Yeah, there were a lot of techniques. So like my game buying heyday was in the 80s mm-hmm. and very briefly into the 90s, uh, but mostly it was in the 80s. And DRM um, was everything from the floppy disk would actually have been intentionally written with a bad sector on it so that you couldn't use a traditional, oh, I just want to copy my diskette. Mm-hmm. The, your heart, your disk drive would actually say, oh, there's a bad sector, and it would fail. I remember them doing that with CDs. That happened when games okay. came on CDs. There's a classic, and I don't know if anyone listening will remember this, cyclical redundancy error. And that was basically a bad, was basically a section on the disk that you read line one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, and at five, the instruction of five was to go back to one. 
<laughs> and so you yeah. go, okay, one, two, three, four, five, five says go back to one. Okay. Um, this cyclical redundancy where the correct version of the disk would just jump over that part. But when you were attempting to make a copy of it or run it yeah. through some like daemon tools, right, where you would run an ISO of it locally, you couldn't, it, it never worked. Um, and so that that's one for people to remember, cyclical yeah. redundancy errors. But it's just like the floppy disk bad sector like you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, sure enough, crackers would then just crack the game, put it on a BBS, which was, you know, you'd turn on your modem, a 300 to 900 baud, <laughs> boop, 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 you know, all the static noise. Turn on your modem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you would... Put uh, your phone receiver right, on it. Phone rec- yep. And then uh, tell mom and dad, get off the phone, I'm going to be using it. You know, like, <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, then people would get their games or you would just trade the cracked games. You know, you'd come to a friend's house and you just, hey, you've got two disk drives. Awesome, we can trade games. Mm-hmm. To us, we weren't aware of what piracy was. We just knew that we were getting... I mean, the... Uh, pirate load screens looked legit. I mean, they these were, cool. were yeah. these were like tech demos. The graphics for the crack screens were better than the graphics. They had more flair and cooler yeah. sound effects oh, yeah. than actually in the game because they were like these were like elite programmers who loved pushing the hardware to their mm-hmm. limits. Um, so. I mean, when you're like a nine-year-old kid, you just think this is software. That's just the way this it is. is. This is whereas, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and this is something I like to say always. Back then, it wasn't theft by the law, by the legal definition of it. Was it? I, I'm sure it must have been theft. Not, Even, no, right? because remember, they had to amend the definition of theft in the mid-80s, uh-huh. is that when it happened? I have no idea. Because theft used to mean that I took something from you and okay. deprived you of, of it. it. Uh-huh. Well, you make a copy of something digital. I'm not depriving right. you of anything. Right. It's, so it's, it's not – as a matter of fact, I remember um, uh, reading about it because I was too young when it happened. Uh, was it Ultima? Was it maybe the first EverQuest? Uh, a guy, you know – was way into EverQuest and he was he left for the day and his his roommate like sold one of his super rare magical items to someone else um and the guy came home and like killed him and stuff like that and it was like well was it theft it wasn't real it was mm-hmm. just electronic it wasn't a real item uh-huh. you know just something in a game you know so the back then the laws regarding electronic software and games were all very odd <laughs> you yeah. know and I'm, I'm sure anyone would look at it and be like well that's obviously piracy but mm-hmm. at the same time i don't think it was piracy in terms of theft so far as like intellectual property infringement mm-hmm. you know yeah. a, a different class right and here's where it gets really confusing for especially young uh people back then this doesn't excuse the behavior i'm not saying that i was le- legitimate in doing that well besides the could, kids do stupid crap right yeah. um but uh Back in the early 80s, uh, you didn't go to a Best Buy or, or online to Amazon or any or Newegg or anything. You went to a strip mall. Strip malls were the new, I mean, the equivalent of an online store. Like, hey, what's this new thing? Oh, you go to online and you buy this stuff. Right? Back mm-hmm. in the 80s, it's like, hey, instead of going all the way to Main Street or going all the way to the shopping mall outside of downtown, you could go halfway between to the side of the road. There's a strip mall. All the stores, all the doors facing the same way. Yeah, all the doors facing, and it's just along the road. It's where there used to be farm fields. Yeah, there's now a little mall, well, shopping center. We have the strip right right here. Yeah, and in it is a computer store where they have one shelf full of very expensive software, and then this binder 
full of public domain software. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like there's two versions of software, some that you buy, and I don't know why, and then other software that seems just as good, but it's called public domain. And you just told the guy what you wanted, and he put it on your floppy disk. Or your friends could come over, and you could trade software that way. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the word cracked even really meant. Yeah. You know, I, and just, or when you first got your first CD key and you're like, yeah. oh, cool. I don't – all right, it's a CD key, so I don't yeah. have to have the CD in. Yeah. But, yeah. but <laughs> eventually you connect it to – like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. This game that I'm playing, I'm pretty sure that is the exact same name as the one that was on the expensive software shelf. It's just that the expensive software comes with – oh, it comes with all the stuff. Yeah. I'm not getting the stuff. So I just get the free version. Yeah. So the feelies, like an Infocom game, like a text-only adventure game, used to come in this custom box with all of these weird thing toys, basically. Well, you were talking about the Indiana Jones one, right? Yeah. So my favorite, mm-hmm. uh, it was both a feely and DRM, was that you got the Grail Diary. Mm-hmm. From the, it looked sort of like Indiana the Jones gra- dad, Indiana right? Jones' Sean dad's, Connery. Sean Connery's. Grail Diary, this old leather-bound book. And it wasn't leather-bound, but it was about the same dimensions. It was uh, printed on parchment look-alike paper. Mm-hmm. It even had coffee stains. Of it course. was not. It was not a... Uh, a uh, it didn't have a traditional font. It was all handwritten, mm-hmm. and it had drawings inside. It looked like... If I, could, cool if I yeah. could reach into the movie and look at Henry Jones Sr.'s diary, this would be it. Mm-hmm. It was the coolest thing. And yet, every once in a while, you'd have a puzzle. And the puzzle would rely on the fact that you had access to Dad's diary. Yeah. It so wouldn't you say you have, have to go to a certain page or anything, but you're like, crap, the only way to know the answer to this is, it's wait, the what diary. did Dad think? Yeah. And you go and you find out. What, and so that was the coolest DRM. DRM. That was, uh, that was, that was actually a part of the game. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. All Nowadays, it would just be a PDF that would get sent along with the torrent. So. Right, right. Yeah, you couldn't do uh, stuff like that yeah. anymore. But um Certainly interesting how, you know, DRM is one of all, you know. Code wheels, you have these weird um, pinned mm. code wheels that you have to spin. So you'd be like, oh, like outer ring would be topaz. Inner ring would be the the constellation of this. So you felt like you were doing some sort of weird Ouija board thing. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well for role-playing games. Mm, and then you right. would say, oh, the answer is, you know, and this other weird abstract word that you would find revealed in the, in the code wheel. Um, Olive oil. <laughs> yeah, olive oil. Uh, another cool one I used to see was like um, 3D comic books. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to have a piece of a- colored acetate yeah. that would reveal the secret. Where hand. it was like noise in one color and the word yeah. barely readable yeah, in yeah. the yeah. other and color. you're like, oh, the secret word is this. And you would type it in. Uh, but by far the best Drink one was where it actually bean. felt like it wasn't like I'm typing in a random letter or a random word, but actually solving a puzzle based on knowledge mm-hmm. with this uh, – this pack-in item with yeah. the wheel-tail game that made it feel like I was actually connecting my existence with the game's existence. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things – so DRM, obviously important, especially these people that work in the games industry mm-hmm. that make this stuff, it getting stolen, that that sucks. It's something I didn't quite realize as a kid. People mm-hmm. make this. They spend a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. My son's at that point where he doesn't quite realize that it comes from anywhere. Like, games just come from the internet, but mm-hmm. he doesn't quite realize people make them. So – uh, you know, I've always had kind of a weird relationship with this because as a younger kid, I stole all games. I didn't buy any games. Mm-hmm. And then it hit a point where I started buying games. You know, I wanted to pay for them, whatever. Um, plus, they were getting really hard to steal anyway because <laughs> uh, the internet hadn't quite caught up uh-huh. yet. And so, you know, I was, I was fine. What made them – was it Was it the the physical de- – uh, 
tricks more or was sophisticated it the, or was it the bad sector stuff more sophisticated drm okay. all the old tricks stopped working and there wasn't new versions without specialized hardware uh-huh. like you could play all the pirated xbox games if you're willing to solder a specific chip on the uh-huh. motherboard uh-huh. that sort of stuff you yeah. know uh but then at that point i kept buying games that were terrible i always bring up Ross yeah. mcqueen firefighter extreme <laughs> but besides that there were a lot of games that were really bad yeah. Uh, and so then I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to go back to pirating. And, and I did for a while yeah. because it was like, I'm not spending money to just get ripped off. Because yeah. yeah. um, there was that period of time where there were a lot of games that were basically just grabware, right? We're, we're just going to sell this to you quick, right. take your money. And it wasn't until really until review sites became popular uh-huh. that, I, you know, that I was like, okay, I can start buying uh-huh. games again because I will know if a game is a lemon. Uh-huh beforehand, uh-huh. you know, so I didn't have to steal it, see if I liked it, and then potentially go buy it, which most of the time I didn't, even though I said I would. Uh, but now I can be like, okay, allow me to see, okay, this game is actually getting right. pretty oh, decent you know, reviews. You know, that's a very important point. Yeah. Uh, publishers didn't have websites. Yeah. They didn't s- share demo versions of their software. You you saw a print ad or you saw it in the store the cover in a art, box which had nothing to do with, with just the back with cover art that had nothing to do with the game like the best of course is the Jedi Knight which has Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker but there's no neither of them are in Jedi yeah. Knight. but you turn to the back and you look at the screenshots and you read the bullet points that's all you had back in the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties right yeah so you could definitely get ripped off oh, yeah. buying a game that didn't represent any of the experience that you thought you were going to have. It's funny that you bring up the back of the box because I remember learning about game design when I was much younger and it was always explained that the pillars of gameplay are when you turn the box over and you read the bullet points, uh-huh. those are the pillars of gameplay. And nowadays people go, what box? Uh-huh. Yeah, right? Right, right. <laughs> right? I mean, granted, you're buying disc on console, you're going to have uh-huh. a box or a case for the uh-huh. disc, right? But there's not really the game box anymore. And those boxes are behind a glass cabinet in a lot of cases, so you couldn't yeah. even turn the if box. If you're buying a PC game, you're buying yeah. it online. Yeah. You know, very like phys- I don't even have a CD drive anymore, mm-hmm. like or DVD right. drive. Like physical medium is pretty much dead. Um, so it's it's interesting. There's like oh the back of the box. That's something that in a few years, kids are gonna be like, what box? What, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's easy to forget. Like just having this conversation reminds me, like, yeah, how little actual information mm-hmm. any of us had um, about the games that we were playing, and how much we were willing to forgive to a point. Um, because you know, it goes back to that phrase: you have uh, what is it? Um, we didn't know. Better. AI is uh, artificial imagination. Artificial imagination, yeah. right? As long as the software was able to offload a certain threshold of imagination on my part. I bought it. Yeah. Like, yes, this is good software. And if it didn't offload enough artificial uh, uh, imagination, mm-hmm. then it was a, a terrible game. Or it actually worked against your imagination. Yeah, then the it was immersion terrible. and stuff like that. And so, yeah, 10 years ago, my threshold for like, like, oh, man, I have to imagine so much to have the optimal fantasy, uh, you know, so if you could experience. just take a little bit of that, yeah, away, it, was, it was fine. Uh, it was, yeah, you did a great job. And if you actually worked against it, made me have to work to imagine stuff, then you were doing the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I felt ripped off. And back then it was like a crapshoot. Like we didn't know the better. screenshot you know? of 8-bit graphics looks 256 colors on screen looks amazing. What you didn't know was that it was barely animated. It would, might as well have been a still image. This yeah. character's mouth moving looked terrible. Um, but so what? That one still image 
looked so seductive. You're like, oh, oh yeah. it's going to look great. This is going to be so good, awesome. And you buy the game, and it's like, wow, these characters don't actually say anything. They just, it's just, it's just silent. Um, oh well. I well, I, you, something that may have even now that about. would never ha- just watch a video. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. That's something I, I think I've talked about on here, but I remember um, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Uh, an RPG game that came out. So um, this was a game that came out, I don't want to say right after, but people were still riding the high of Final Fantasy VII. Uh-huh. Final Fantasy VII made pretty big waves, uh-huh. right? I can. It's the first game I remember seeing a commercial for on TV, uh-huh. like on Prime Channels, uh-huh. Prime Time. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Panzer Dragoon Saga came out. It's an RPG, you know, um, JRPG specifically. And during one of the cutscenes, they talked. Like uh-huh. voice, like vocals, uh-huh. and I call my friend John. I'm on the phone, like immediately. <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, they talk. Uh-huh. They talk in the cutscenes." Yeah. He's like, "I know." <laughs> and we're freaking out because, I mean, you never even would have thought it, like, because before, like, it was when cell phones used to start having actual MP3 ringtones. They weren't just MIDI's. Uh-huh. You're like, "Well, this is playing real music, <laughs> right, not just right, tones." Right. <laughs> I didn't at the point know that video games were capable of yeah. making playing recorded sound as uh-huh. opposed to tones yeah. and synthesized uh, sounds. So absolutely blew my mind. Uh, I don't remember why I mentioned that just now, but now I'm just kind of still in the glow of that moment. <laughs> I don't even yeah. remember what we were talking yeah. about. <laughs> well, let me, you know, just on that anecdote, how often do you have that kind of like, wow, I'm I'm having a glow moment with a video game Very today. rarely. Yeah. Though I will say, surprisingly, the last time I had one was actually fairly recently. Uh-huh. Um, you know, back when, you know, it took maybe technological achievements to catch me like, whoa, they're yeah. talking. I didn't know it was capable yeah. of this. Psycho Manus, uh, Metal Gear Solid, where he reads the cartridge yeah. and yeah. you switch the controller. And it's like, whoa, like from a technical standpoint, that's amazing. And I find myself more and more as I get older, uh, design elements or artistic aesthetics or whatever. Um, but it also happening fewer and fewer. So the, the last like whoa moment was definitely the very beginning, maybe 15 minutes in, uh, maybe 10 minutes in, uh, to Ori and the Blind Forest. I knew that you were going to say that because yeah. everybody talks about you the came fir- over and I showed yes, you that. Yes, yeah. And you were just like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, this right, is amazing. Right, right, That You know, that's my barometer for like, wow, the, the game has done something special. It's like when you're willing to call your friend over to witness yeah. what the software is doing. Well, you were coming, you came over anyway and I'm like, dude, I got to show yeah, you Yeah, you got to show me this. Yeah, and like when a video game can make a grown man do something that he did in junior high, that's not hard for me, though. I never grew up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still give people wedgies. <laughs> Swirly time. <laughs> yeah. For me, um, why I think virtual reality, despite its its cost, despite the fact that it's not a platform in and of itself, but mm-hmm. a peripheral, is so exciting is because when I tried it for the first time, I uh, had all those Yes. It's like I had all those experiences like, when oh I first saw a computer for the very first time. When I first played a game that made me want to call a friend and say, you have to this play this This has got to be illegal. How is this so cool? Right. Yeah. Is when I put on and played my friend's demo of his first game. And I said, I cannot believe that I just did something in a video game that made me feel like I was physically doing something that I know I could not have been doing. But it was my so body. Real. 
Making it real. Yeah. My body told me, no, you're actually doing this thing and we have to prepare for impact. Well, that's like, the I'm neuroscience of it, right? Yeah. Very little bit of your brain does actually knows it's not real, right? Because, you know, it's that, it's that classic example I always tell people, like, how many how, rooms are in your house, right? Yeah, how many, how many yeah. rooms are in your house? That's the thing about it. Well, you think yeah. about it, but when you think about it, are you walking through your house counting? No, just having flashes. Or flo- floating yeah. above it. You're visualizing yeah. yourself in your house, yeah, right? Yeah. Or either above it or walking through it. Yeah. And what's actually happening is most of your brain doesn't know you're not actually in your house looking at your rooms. Mm. The, 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 the nerve from your eyes to your brain right. and the nerve from your memory to your brain actually go to the same part of your brain. Yeah. So the rest of your brain has no idea if it's a memory or if it's real. Mm. So, and that's what right. VR right. is doing for you, right? right? Actually, all video games, all media does right. that. Watching a movie, you get really into it. Yeah. Most of your brain doesn't right. know it's not real. But with video games, specifically VR, putting it that close – that immersive, your immersion never breaks because everywhere you look, you're still in it. Right. There's no like looking away to the side for a second and go, I need a break. No, yeah. to the side, right. you're still in it, right? right? And so most of your brain thinks it's real and your body does a really good job of attempting to make it real. Um, there's an impact uh, experience I've tried on VR before. It's very calming and stuff like that. And then, you know, you're standing there or whatever. And then out of nowhere, this orb flies yeah. through the sky and goes right through yeah. your, your torso. Yeah. And you feel it. You, yeah. you take the headset off thinking someone – like, okay, who did that? Yeah. Like yeah. thinking it was like some someone prank touched or you, right. some prank. Or, no, yeah. it's just your your mind really makes it yeah. real. expected to feel yeah. it. You felt a phantom sensation. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing about VR that I had a very – We strong, always end up talking about VR yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah, I think it's because it's – So it's, big. It's, it's on everyone's minds. Yeah, it's the thing that if it breaks – it changes everything. From Next the, uh, Tuesday, I leave for that VR conference. Video. Oh, cool! Yeah, pretty excited. Um, yeah, you'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to do a whole podcast on yeah. other things that you can talk about. So VR is one of those things. So my dad is very much. I don't want to say against technology, but mm-hmm. he's he's not an early adopter, middle adopter, even late adopter. He's a luddite. He's a super long term adopter. He <laughs> still thinks the internet's a fad kind of deal. <laughs> um, he so on a whim one day we were we were hanging out and I was like. I have a VR headset. You want to try it out? And he's like, okay, sure, whatever. And he puts it on and he's just like, oh, my God, right? And uh-huh. now every time I see him, he's like, oh, did you bring the VR headset? Uh-huh. He's a fiend. Yeah. Like every time I see him, he's like, oh, I, I want to try that. Yeah. He's, he bought one. Like, oh, he, he did? Oh, oh yeah. Good for him. Uh, well, I took it with me to Atlanta. I have uh-huh. family in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Right. And we're all out on the porch. They're drinking. Uh-huh. My dad, my mom, aunts uh-huh. and uncles, they're all putting it on going, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm flying with the Blue Angels. I'm swimming with sharks. Yeah, they're yeah. all just losing their mind. Yeah. And I'm just like – this is really something. Yeah. 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 You know, the the other aspect of VR, it's not just the, the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, uh, it's eye contact with other characters. That's the thing that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So to have another character look you in the eye and respond to your attitude. If you slouched, if you turned, if you blinked—well, not if you blinked—but if you, yeah. if you flinched, well, some and of the new away, attack is is actual eye tracking within yeah. the VR headset uh, for yeah. two axes of control. Because yeah. right now there's only one axis you're turning your head, right. right? But if you use your head and your eyes as two axes of control, yeah. then you can lo- turn your head to the left, but look to the right and right. and get dual control that way. To have a character stare you in the eye, not the center of the screen, but you directly yeah. in the eye, and then when you react to something, it. Looks where you look. If you see, walk like, around and they turn. Yeah, and they turn. Oh, that is so visceral. Yeah. I mean, I, I anyone who's listening who has not experienced it, that's the big it's weird. deal. It's when uncanny have, valley a little bit. But when we have, and maybe this is where porn is going to go. No, that's, they're gonna you be have the to know app. it's already there. Like, But the, the 
interaction between you and another character is so freaky yeah. uh, in a cool way yeah. that I think that's why VR is going to be Everyone a keeps trying to build robots in real life, but maybe it's just AI and VR. Yeah, I, you know what? Maybe that's a, the next big novel, which will be turned into a film, is that concept. Is like it's Twilight not a, 0.0 yeah, for the vampires. It's like we, we all missed it. We all thought we were going to be destroyed by, um, by robots or by uh, physical when instead we it, all just put on the headsets and let ourselves die. So we lost ourselves to our AI buddies. <laughs> yeah. Where AI buddies were better friends to us than our real friends. This guy's they dark. never betrayed us. Yeah. <laughs> this guy real dark. But in truth, they were betraying us the whole time. Yeah. Though I, the, kind of along those lines, I'm, I'm building actually a VR demo right now where there's a character, character standing, waves yeah. at you. And if you look away, the character comes running back to be in front of you or facing yeah. it like waves again. Yeah. You try to look away, it comes running as fast ah. as he can to the other side, you know, just is always just trying to be in your line of is sight. It a, is it a, uh, a biological character or a robot character? It's a it's a futuristic but biological character. Okay. Um, it's a character named Ethan from from a lot of Unity demos. Okay. Uh, but specifically to deal with things like focal length, field of view. Okay. Um, on a technical level, that's what the demo's for, but it's kind of fun just because okay. it's like this character's like, hey, I'm over here. And you yeah. look, wait, and they're like, no, no, I'm yeah, over yeah. here. And comes uh, running if your, you yeah. take it further, I highly recommend you look into the old Infocom game Planetfall and think about Floyd. Do you know that game at all? Planetfall? No, not Planetside. Planetfall. I don't think I know Planetfall. It's a text game. Okay. But uh, there's an AI character in that game. It's a robot in this case, but it's anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. And it's always like, oh, Floyd, I'm... I'm trying to get stuff done, and Floyd's always in your face. Hi, that, I'm over here, over Oh, here. okay, so not like Lloyd from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the Dower robot. No. Was that Lloyd? I don't know if his what name was What was his name? Lo- he was just always like, oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, it was real. No, Floyd was this okay. almost like a Forrest Gump, always enthusiastic, always gotcha. on your side. He's there for you every step of the way, but he's kind of in the way. Sure. Uh, uh, Floyd, but- He's like, a dog, basically. Yeah, but yeah. he's got a great character arc, and- Sounds a lot like the character you're developing after demo, and it would like take it from tech demo to like high video game achievement if you would study. There you go. I want to make it kind of like my son playing basketball. My son's six, Uh and whenever one of his teammates get the ball, my son is right in their face. He's actually (laughs) the one blocking his own teammate, going, "Give me the ball! Give me the ball!" Right? Just so excited. That that's what I want to build. I just want to build this adorably annoying character. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly Uh, what Floyd is. Yeah, Yeah. in the VR experience, Uh but. uh, yeah, I think we're going to end up talking about VR okay. a lot just because it's 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 kind of the it topic. I mean, really, as much as I try to downplay it from time to time, it is every 80s child's dream come true. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's also where the industry is holding on to its money, waiting to see which of these bets pay off. Yeah. I don't see the industry saying, you know what's really going to make us big money? The next console cycle. Let's invest heavily in making the next console the most powerful thing that leapsfrog PC technology. That's not where the talk is. No, no one's trying to do that. Because the money's in the games, not yeah. the hardware. Or is it about making PCs like um, as powerful as uh, supercomputers by connecting them to the co- cloud in a massive uh, way that doesn't because seem that be requires infrastructure yeah. beyond what the yeah. gaming market controls. Yeah, um, but no, but I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, it, people want to invest in the bet. space that they kind of control yeah. a lot of the tech, and, and you're you're absolutely right. right. Otherwise, it's just yeah, we're making games like their cardboard boxes or like their delivery pizza yeah. or they're like um, diamond uh, dozen pork bellies. They're yeah. just a commodity. Speaking of which, uh, 
I'll just say it on here so I don't forget. On the 17th, I'm doing a VR talk in Cleveland if you'd like to attend. I would love to attend. Uh, actually, the, the, so I, I wrote the title uh, and summary of the talk today, which I'm really excited uh-huh. about. Uh, the title is uh, Virtual Reality or How the Dream of Every 80s Child is Coming uh-huh. True. Uh-huh. Um, and then for the summary, it's just I wrote a poem as the summary to the tune of Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquois. So it's just instead <laughs> yeah. of virtual insanity, it's virtual yeah. reality, uh-huh. right? Um, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but the last line uh, is we'll learn how it works, which is weird because it doesn't rhyme with forks. Because <laughs> if you think about it, works should rhyme with forks. Yeah. <laughs> W-O-R-K-F-O-R-K. You have to pull a page out of like a, a rapper's page book, which is just mispronounce the word. But in such a way that we still know what the original Works. word, yeah. <laughs> Up in her. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it doesn't rhyme is what I was going. Yeah. For. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's anecdotal enough. We are about to, out of time. Okay. Is there anything else you want to toss in there? No, just a reminder that you should tell our listeners, especially Cleveland-based ones, will want to know where your talk is being. Is it open? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, so it's um, it's Rosetta Software in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the, downtown. That's the group where we you had given another talk and I got the to. One it was a lot was, of fun. The one that was absolute insanity. You say it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, a little well, background. It's, well, it's a lot of fun to watch Mike give a presentation to a group that's expecting like a talk on a database or something like because that. Because of their tech talks, right? Yeah, People are expecting yeah. like web technologies, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Instead, they get me on a day that I forgot to take medication <laughs> and I was just out of my goddamn mind. Right. And uh, I don't even know what I talked about. It's all kind of a blur, but they liked it enough. They invited me back. So uh-huh. they, actually, I'll show you. They didn't invite me back. They made a rap music video asking me to come back. <laughs> That's awesome. They literally made a rap music video and sent it to me to ask me to come back. So yeah, for anyone who is in the Ohio slash Cleveland region, uh, come to the Rosetta Talks. Uh, on VR. I think they might be recording it as well, so if they make it available, okay. I'll post that as well. Uh, but it's There's a good lot time. of technology people. There's beer and pizza and yeah, and technology and a business bit folk. Of swag. Yeah, yeah. It was a a, it was a good it was a good talk. I was really impressed with the with the setup that they had. Yeah. So there's your Rosetta plug, Rosetta people. I'll make sure they know <laughs> we mentioned it. Um, cool. All right then. Uh, so that is episode twelve of Dirty Dozen. Dirty Dozen. <laughs> Stay tuned for next episode, Baker's Dozen. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. Um, so anyway, that is uh, nothing else to add? No. All right, that is, I feel like we always drag the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no, the stuff I want to talk about is stuff that we can't record. So. Yeah, oh, okay, that. fair yeah. enough. Well, then I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> uh, so that is Mike's Video Game Podcast, episode 12. I'm Mike Geig. And I'm Mike Wu. And uh, keep dreaming, dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.